Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, a special St. Patrick's Day uh, Set Lusting Bruce. When you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the day it's released, it is St. Patrick's Day on uh, the year 2020, though it is a different kind of St. Patrick's Day with the coronavirus going around. Um, But to celebrate, uh, I have two of my favorite um, Bruce Buds. Two former guests who both happen to be from Ireland. So I have Tom. How you doing, Jesse? Banachdi la Fela Porik, which is uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day in Irish. Very nice. And we have Al. How are you all doing? I'm all from Belfast, and I wish you all a, a great and beautiful stay at home St. Patrick's Day and a big slanshot to you all. Uh, yeah, so both Tom and Al have been on the podcast before. I will include their earlier episodes in the show notes, so if you have not listened to them tell their stories, um, you should. They're both great storytellers, which I think is a cliche, being Irish, but it is true in this case. Um, Both passionate Springsteen fans and both all-around great guys, so uh, they both kind of at the last minute agreed to join me, and so we're recording this on the Sunday before St. Patrick's Day. Um, Al has done some family um, commuting, getting people from the airport, (laughs) but we're all here with our beverage of choice, ready to talk a little bit, Bruce. Um, So, Al, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit, in case someone missed the earlier episode, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and go from there. Yes, I I am a Belfast boy, yep. as, as Tom, Tom is down in the Republic of Ireland, just just the people understand. I, I I'm in north of I call it the north of Ireland. That's my my probably what people would say. That's your political view, and then some people call it Northern Ireland. That's their view. But Tom is from the Republic of Ireland, and well, our country is separated by a wee border, and uh, but basically we're all one island, and we're all we're all just. As we call ourselves, North men, South men, comrades, all we're all we're all Irish men through and through. And many of our our bloodlines run through the veins of a lot of people across the world. And on St Patrick's Day, I think they all try to find that what how, how much of a percentage they have of that Irish blood. And I and I see them jumping at that all the time. Every year, they look at that. Yeah, I, I think so. And Tom, tell us a little about you. Well, as Al says, I'm in uh, Dublin, which is only 100 miles uh, south of Belfast. Yep. And Northmen, Southland, comrades all were all Irishmen, as uh, Al said. And um, I'm not sure if I saw Al on the hill in Slane back in 85, but uh, <laughs> uh, there was a few a few thousand others or tens of thousands of others on that day. 
but that was my first uh, concert of Bruce. Uh, I'm 58 this year, uh, so I've uh, I'm a born to run rather than a born in the USA. Uh, yeah, yep. uh, discovered the music, yep. and um, as you said earlier about the Irish storytellers, we would claim that uh, as Bono said about Springsteen 21 years ago tonight, he's an Irish Italian uh, with a Jewish name and. Um, uh, he, he's got a lot of storytelling in him too, so we we all claim some of that from his Irish ancestry. Okay, I, I absolutely agree with that, and I I, was, I wanted to start with that. Um, Al mentioned a little bit of that. Um, everyone claims to be a little bit Irish on St. Patrick's Day here in the U.S. and I guess around the world. Um, and so, um, is that something that makes you guys proud? Or does it irritate you a little bit um, when when you see people? And 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 I guess uh, we'll start with you, Tom. How is St. Patrick celebrated there, actually in Ireland, compared to the perception you get from the U.S.? Well, we we celebrate St. Patrick's Day normally here with a, a number of parades all around the country, and they would have cultural uh, floats, or you know, uh, they'd have marching bands, uh, civic displays, uh, and uh, maybe uh, oversized St. Patrick's and uh, other other figurines uh, during the course of the parade to build the community. We have a national day, it's a holiday. So uh, in the States, I would have seen, obviously, the Asbury Park um, St. Patrick's Day parade was the weekend before last because there's so many other civic ceremonies um, that take place in the States, and that's fair enough. But I think um, we, we would obviously accept that our island, uh, total island, is about 5 million people on it, north and south. Um, but we would have 240 million uh, people, or uh, of the 240 million U- Americans, maybe 40 million would claim Irish ancestry. And I think I said briefly before in my own podcast, my grandparents were married in Villanova University in Philadelphia. Uh, I have more cousins in Marlton, Moorestown, and uh, that area of, uh, you know, Jersey. And uh, we would uh, obviously acknowledge that those Irish Americans abroad, obviously, and elsewhere in the world, uh, anyone of Irish ancestry want to commemorate their Irish ancestry. And in a a fun way, without going over the top, uh, a little bit of music, a bit of song, and um, as, as we keep saying, a few stories as well. So, Al, what what are your thoughts about that? Yes, it's a very, very same. Belfast is a very community based, and and what you get, you get all the all the youth clubs, and you know all these. You have the kids making wee floats, so you have families, your families getting together and making making you know costumes, and now Aaron now. Ireland now has has come into its own as a wee bit. Uh, then you have multicultural people joining in on the St Patrick's Day parade, which it becomes more as it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. It used to be that we actually used to look to the U.S. for you know, see what their parade was like, and and people people used to say I would love to go to New York for for the St Patrick's Day parade and. And I find that there is people who would say to me, I would love to go to Ireland for for the for a St Patrick's Day parade and all and all the all the all the things that go with it, you know, drinking in the pub and all that Irish music and, and just enjoying the crack, as they say. Yeah, so I tend to think of um, St Patrick's Day 
it is more a celebration of the music and the culture. Yeah. But I know a lot of people, it's just an excuse to drink green beer. Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't want to get too much on a soapbox, but um, does that bother you a little bit? That, or, or you just don't take it that serious? And I'll start with you, Al. Well, you would have you would have that you would have that. I mean, maybe there were some guys would maybe not take the green beer. They, they, they would just paint a chemist in hand and that look of you know that yeah. Irishness, um, out of be whiskey and stuff like that. But we do not go overboard with the green the green beer and stuff. And yeah. there's more the the culture and music. We have Irish dancers and stuff going, and we have. Uh, folk music playing and stuff like that there. Now, as, as you go into the evening, maybe the younger ones want some type of Celtic rock. Sure. You know, which would bring in the likes of, let me see, you would bring in the Pogues. Even you would have the ones that are based in, in America, you would have the likes of the Dropkick Murphys getting played, even here in Ireland. So, that would be later on in, in the evening. All, all comes into that. But most of the day, it would be, it would be culture and music. Then you'd have the Irish dancers going. Okay. All this. It's a family thing as well, you know? Yeah, I know that. Um, and then I want to hear your thought, Tom. Um, you know, the perception of Mardi Gras in New Orleans is it's filled with, you know, you know, people flashing, women flashing their breasts and, and a lot of drunkenness. And, and though on the outskirts of New Orleans, it's actually the parades and the celebration of Mardi Gras getting ready for Lent is actually there's a lot of more family activities that are about, you know, with the kids enjoying the parades and the floats and, and you know, the cliche of throw me something, mista. Um, so I, 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 I can appreciate that. Um, Tom, anything to add to that? Well, normally on St. Patrick's Day, we would have the parade around midday, which wraps up about two o'clock in the afternoon, and then yeah. people spill into the side streets for lunch. Uh, that's usually a fairly family-orientated stuff. Um, a lot of tourists come into Ireland, and obviously they, they're feeling the economic pitch um, with the, all the marching bands from the States not being able to travel this year and, and from elsewhere. Um, but then, obviously, some people don't go to the parade and might get to the hostelries a bit early. So yeah. by 7, 8 o'clock at night, it can get a bit messy in certain areas. Um, but uh, it, obviously, the day that's in it and the year that's in it, Temple Bar, which is... Uh, Quite quite a, a noisy spot, you know, noisy quarter, uh, just south of the river in Dublin. That's now closed uh, completely from um, from uh, tea time today from pubs and clubs, just given what's going on. But there would also be a lot of sporting activity. There'd be GAA finals, like our Gaelic Irish football games, and um, we would have our schools rugby finals in Belfast and Dublin and, and Limerick, usually on the same day on St Patrick's Day. So again, things usually don't kick off socially until about four or five o'clock in the evening but there are those that in, in any um uh, in any uh society to, to just use it as an excuse to get out there early and uh, get a couple of, of not so quiet ones in over lunchtime and then they're in bad shape later on and i don't think that's <laughs> synonymous with uh with irish i think it's the same um the world over, absolutely you know? i totally agree and so um we were talking um that but because of the coronavirus, everything is a lot they, – they are not going to be the parades. There is not the sporting activities. So it's, it's, it's 
I think it's a little sad, and I also think economically it's really going to hurt um, not just your communities, but the communities in the U.S. I know uh, we have a local Irish pub that's one of our favorite places to go. Um, he's the 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 owner is is just a great guy. They 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 always have the matches on. They they have a great um, you know a um, a wonderful. Um, brunch and they have a lot of Irish music and they just do a lot of things and you know this is kind of their Super Bowl week and he sent out an email saying based on the city's recommendation we're we're canceling everything and you know we'll we'll be open we'll have smaller tables where less people can eat but we're not going to be having the festivities so um, any thoughts on that well, I think here the guideline down south was uh, internal gatherings of 100 people or more. And obviously in a pub situation, particularly on St. Patrick's Day, you can't limit a crowd to 100 people. Um, even the small bars are pretty pretty jammed, certainly in the downtown areas and all, all, in all cities and towns on the island. So I think it's a wise decision this year to... Um, uh, close the, the the this is obviously in the in the republic that uh, today's and everything's changing by the hour so by the time this airs it could be completely different nationwide or island wide but uh, at the moment it's the republic everything is just bar, pubs and clubs are closing people they don't think the only things that are going to remain over or open will be food shops and pharmacies and i think that's mirroring um what's happening on the continent. My sister lives in Venice and they've had three weeks of this already. So she's kind of marking my cards as to what to expect. You can get out and we walked our dog four times yesterday in the adjacent university campus and people walk the dogs and they talk to each other, but they keep their safe distance. Uh, they get their food shopping, they get their pharmacy shopping, but unfortunately every other business is, is going to hurt. There's no doubt about it. Go ahead, Al. Did we lose you, Al? Al? Yeah, go ahead, Al. Oh, yes, 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 I could not hear you there. Yeah, 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 I think it's going to hit, hit big time, as in, as Tom said there, we have sporting calendars in the GAA, we have Horland, we have Gaelic football, we have club level, all Ireland's getting played at Croke Park. I do not know what, what the stance the GAA has taken on that, but, uh, I mean, I'm looking at that, uh, the wee clubs, pubs, everything. I mean, a lot of those places they order in kegs of Guinness and beer, and and I'm not sure what way they will. This will be. This will hit them as financially as well. And St Patrick's Day is a big, big time. It sort of kicks off things as we come into spring. Yes, things things start to happen. That people start to visit. Um, local places, local zoos, local parks, local caravan parks start opening and all this and I'm not too sure and I hope that God is to, I mean, I'm looking at it and, and I think this is going to hit people really, really financially as well, let alone their health but I think they have took the right stance on banning, not, you know but it's a smart thing to do. I mean, you have thousands of people, thousands of people from all over the world go to go to America for, for St. Patrick's Day celebrations and vice versa. They come to Ireland. Then you have thousands of people gathering together. And with this virus, I think it would be a catastrophe. And, uh, and it's taking the right stance. I think 
It yeah. just happened to be when this virus came out that it happened to be around the first real, you know, gathering of people, which is St. Patrick's Day. And it is, as it is still a bit sketchy of what is going to happen, but I think they're taking the right steps. I, I think so, too. Um, so one of the things I asked the lads to do is I said I gave them a little homework. I said, um, and, and I appreciate you guys talking about it is – um, it is the anniversary of uh, Bono um, inducting Bruce into the Hall of Fame. I was just watching that clip again, and and he's proud of both of it, all of his heritage, um, both Italian and Irish. But I, I think there's a touch of the Irish poet, and the uh, I think both you and I, all three of us. In our podcast, talk about that tradition of the troubadour, of the of the storyteller, of the the people that um, folk singers that are sharing. Um, so I asked the guys to come up with what would they pick are the most five and quote unquote Irish similar songs that Bruce has done, and we thought we'd discuss them. So. I'm going to start with you, Al. Before you give us your first song, do you have what were your thought process on which songs you picked? Well, there wasn't many that I could I, I could pick out. The one that stuck out most for me, it was American Land, because he introduced the, the Irish Tin Whistle. If you watch videos, you can see the Irish Tin Whistle being played there, which is which is you know it is one of our Irish instruments. I would I, I would like to see Bruce introduce more more of our our Irish instruments yeah. into it. You know, a lot of them, a lot of people just say bring the bagpipes into it, but I, I would love to hear it. Just I just had it in my mind that I would love to hear Bruce bringing the, the legs. Of, you know, the the alien pipes, Tom, as we call them. Yes, I, uh, yeah. I would. I would like to hear something like that brought onto the music. I think Bruce would enjoy that himself. Yes, you know. Yeah, I agree. Tom, how about you? Any thoughts as when you were picking? And um, obviously, American Land made my list as well. In fact, it was the very first yeah. song I thought of. Um, Tom, any thoughts? I, I had American Land. Yes, uh, my first one was Mrs. McGrath from the Seeger Sessions. Yes. Uh, uh, which uh, obviously uh, resonated here in Dublin for a couple of nights back on the Seeker Session Tour, which is obviously thankfully now out on final as well. Uh, American Land, of course, he talks about the blacks, the Irish, the Italians, the German and the Jews. Yeah. So, uh, But um, as Al said, the introduction, particularly in this part of the world, he really emphasised the Irish connection and uh, the Crow Park was hopping everywhere. That's ho- Kilkenny, Belfast, yeah. uh you know, everybody just uh, struck a chord with that one, and that, that can be played uh, indoor, outdoor, large stadium, um, small stadiums, or small room. Um, and the other one that you mentioned earlier was uh, just to bounce it in now was Peg of My Heart with the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, not not his song per se, but uh, he certainly uh, got up with Ken and the boys and, and gave that w- Wally. But I would obviously agree with Al. American Land, it was. Uh, right up there, Mrs. McGrath probably uh, a, a, a close second, and Peg of My Heart would be third, I guess. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. In fact, um, you know, there is the Dropkick Murphys 
seem to have a lot of affection for Bruce and Bruce for them. They've done some great covers, like they have a killer version of No Surrender that I really enjoy. Um, so I, I also made the argument that it doesn't sound like an Irish song, but Highway Patrolman fits for me because it's a story. And it's yeah. a great story song and about brotherhood and dancing and the things. Um, what do you guys think about that as a choice of it? It has the it is an Irish type song. Well, I can hear I can hear Bruce always. Bruce, as you know, Bruce starts a wee song and he, and he start, He can give you that. And I'll give you five to ten minutes, and he will have. Uh, a wee cliche and everything. He would talk, he would tell you a wee story yes. for a song. And I think that, that part of his Irishness is in there. He likes to story tell before a song and then he, and then he would kick into it, you know, that way, which is very, very good. That, that, that song, or the tall mansion pig on my heart. That was one of my ones too. And the yes. other one, the other one I enjoy now, Bruce did, recently played with the Dropkick Murphys and he done a song called Rose Tattoo. Yes. He got, on, he got on stage with him and he done it and it was absolutely, uh, they killed it. They they, they, they they nailed that song. Bruce Bruce just enjoyed every second of it. You could see it on stage with him that he did. You know? And, uh, shipping up to Boston, I think it was on the same gig as mm -hmm. well. On the encore again. They yeah. just ripped into that. So those three with the dropkick Murphy's just coming back to a peg of my heart, Rose Tattoo and shipping up to Boston. Not yeah. Bruce numbers, but if you check them out on YouTube, uh, you know, the the the, the, uh, the, 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 the vibrations coming off the stage, uh, superb, you know? Yeah. So I did not attend any of the Seeger Session concerts live, though I've certainly heard my version. But it feels to me that <laughs> And I think you can make the argument he felt the same way. The shows he did in Dublin had an extra energy, maybe because of the, you know, the band at this point, the Seeker Session band was really clicking, you know, on all cylinders. Um, there, it was the audience with a great love. It, it, it appears, I mean, you could, that live CD, has so much joy in it, and it sounds like they are like an Irish bar band just having a good time. What What do you guys think about that? We'll start with you, Tom. Well, I was lucky enough to get the three nights down um, the RDS here beside me, and um, or the the point. Uh, so it's an indoor arena, and then up to the Odyssey Arena up beside Al there in Belfast. Yeah. Yep. A couple of nights later, uh, as you said, it was party time. Um, the the um, the walls were were dripping, as they say here. It was sweat because everybody was hopping around the place yeah. because it was, an, you know, synonymous with the Irish. Coming back to the history, obviously, a lot of Irish went abroad, built the railroads, sang their songs and campfires, uh, and some of that music then resonated here back in the 50s, 60s. The Johnny Cash, the, the Glenn Campbell's, the the, uh, the 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 Americana type songs resonated back here. But the Seeker Sessions, I think, when Bruce um, developed that mode, uh, all those songs, uh, people could 
easily identify with um, starting with this lower oh Mary don't you weep which might be you know more uh, spiritual um, yeah. you know and all that and then you know John Henry Johnny 99 some of those versions were also in there but they were done in the Seeger Session style um, we had uh, Open All Night in Seeger Session style with My City of Runes but in Seeger Session yeah. style so they were all um, uh, done in that um, uh, Irish Americana country uh, style of uh, music and uh, went one night they had to go back a second night and the third night it was like getting a fix you know I would imagine <laughs> you just had to go back more and yeah. then uh, toddled up the road the 100 miles to uh, Belfast and he included I think Mansion on the Hill was the only different but it was done in, in a particular way as well and uh, wow uh, what, what a what a uh, what a week yeah um, I I'm jealous of that. I'm going to ask you, Al. Um, you shared on the podcast how much um, your city of the city of ruins meant to you. Hearing him play that when he played at your town, and and in fact, you know, you, your city no longer was in ruins. You actually was the yep. statement you made, which uh, made me tear up when you originally said it, and it is actually making me tear up now. Um, when you heard it in this style, what did you talk to me a little bit about how you felt? Well, obviously, when I hear when I hear him doing the original one, it did it actually it, it cut right back into my soul. But when, when Bruce, when I one of one of the greatest songs I ever seen him doing when it sits on my mind was on the Sunday evening, Tom on Croke Park when when he started he started the concert. He, he came out and I, and there's a lot of people sitting there going I wonder I wonder what, what what he will start with I wonder what he will do and so and he just came out sat down on the piano, on the grand piano and he and he played he started the concert with incident on 57th Street and I thought that song was unbelievable the way he did it the way he, I mean he just sat there sat down. On the, on the grand piano, and he just played. And I, when you, when you, when you look at it, how many times Tom has someone come into your home at a, at a wake, at a party? They don't need all these instruments. They, I mean, someone could have a guitar and just sure. whatever. But he, he, I noticed that about him when he just sat down at this this piano and, and he blasted this out, and that was a, that was the best I ever heard it being being sang. And Bruce, if I, I always imagine Bruce singing with, could you imagine Tom if, if, if he done a ballad with the likes of Christy Moore, um, Finbar Fury, yes. you know, you imagine, could you imagine that happening? I mean, that, I think that would be, you know, one. Of, if that ever happened, I think I think Bruce would enjoy that himself because they are national treasures of Ireland. These two kinds of Two cages, and they're very serious singers. As in, they they are very passionate about ballad songs, and they are very good singers in sales, and they're instrumental. The two of them. And as well, you, yep. your, your your fellow Belfast man Van Morrison obviously played a huge yep. influence in uh, Bruce and Steve Van Zandt. Uh, acknowledged as such back in the early. Yep. 
70s, in fact, uh, and a sound check in Crow Park for the Friday night with Brown Eyed Girl. They didn't play it, but they did the sound check on it, and I thought that yeah. would have been pretty special as well. well they, have, yep. they have done Brown Eyed Girl in the States and other places, so Van Morrison is, is right up there with the Irish influences, um, his Astral Weeks and the early stuff that uh, he would have done. Uh, Gloria, Moondance, Shenandoah, those type of songs all can be uh, one or the other, really. So uh, a, a, a very strong Van Morrison influence, I think, from Bruce and the yes. industry. Well, a- absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to move to on to another question, but I, one of the songs that meant the most to me on that live CD, I grew up. I did not grow up Catholic. I grew up a Southern Baptist. Yeah. And um, and we we sang a lot, not as much as probably. <sighs> the African-American Southern Baptist Church, but for us white guys, we, we tried to do the best we can. And um, and This Little Light of Mine was a song we would sing as kids. And to hear him take this child hymn that I sang in Sunday school and, and give it a full gospel treat, um, it remains a highlight to me. If if I am going to um, exercise and you you know and you build a walking tape or, or like a running tape, this little mine is a song that always thinks of me. Any um, and either one of you or both of you, any thoughts about that version and, and the feelings about the song? My wife's a teacher, and she would uh, teach eight-year-old young ladies, and uh, again would teach them that song. So when I Obviously, hear that every now and again as the the husband. You go along to the various uh, church celebrations of uh, sacraments and stuff, and they would sing it. But when I saw Bruce do it, obviously a lot of people liken a Bruce concert to a religious experience. Um, so we're now bringing uh, the, the religious element to the to the. Um, concert and uh, uh, like Al with his uh, uh, particular history with the um, My City of Ruins when you see these, yeah. you know, bring that in and then you've got your religious element, you're up on a high, you are, you know, you're beyond uh, uh, rescuing at that stage because you've got the uh, the personal touch that he brings to each concert talking about the city that it happens to be in and a lot of his songs uh, you can approximate to nearly every city, Hurricane Katrina uh, Belfast, anywhere you know that um, unfortunately tragedies have happened Christchurch you know uh, in New Zealand uh, and then as you say that this little light of mine against anonymous Southern Baptist Catholic Protestant I think everybody sings that song um, but it, it, again it just resonates with so many people so a particularly moving experience I think he um, it was on the first night in uh, in the in the um, what was the point the, th- the three arena as it is now and then he finished that out oh, American land followed that I mean, you you just can't you you, you yeah. can't get better. Don't a, get better. A, a pretty yeah. tough one-two punch. It's, it's it's really and it's funny it's so funny that you're saying about this that later man that that that's the song that he started the Belfast concert with his first outdoor concert with when I was saying to you uh, when I, I heard I heard the back of music starting and next thing he he was talking he was saying hello Belfast birthplace of my mother-in-law and he and then. And he jumped into this at a later man. That's how he started the Belfast concert, you know? Yeah. And I, I will, just on a side note, um, several years ago, the uh, House of Blues here in Dallas does a Sunday brunch 
you go, you you eat a good meal, and then they have a um, a musical performance. And it was good, but um, I, I kept comparing it to um, Bruce and the Seeker Center Band doing This Little Out of Mine or When the Saints Go Marching In. And I was yeah. like, you know, this is what I want. I want that kind of enthusiasm, that kind of touch. Um, my friend Sam, who I talk about a lot on the podcast, um, said that when he went to the Seeker Sessions Band, it was the closest to a religious experience he had ever had, and he is—he uh, was—he's—he he is Jewish, not raised a very strict Jewish household, um, but he said that concert, he felt like he was in the Church of Springsteen, and it was a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Good. As I said earlier, again. Uh, this little light of mine, American land, uh, you know, when the saints go marching in uh, and indoors, I suppose, particularly uh, at that particular stage. Obviously, the previous concerts were Dev- Devils and Dust, which was all indoors and personal, and but more, uh, you know, uh, Southern California, obviously, given the context of the, that album. And, and then obviously before that was The Rising, again, big outdoor, everybody um, full blast uh, on that tour. And then after the Seeger sessions, he was back into magic, both north and south. And uh, again, it just shows the the, mu- the musicianship and the songwriting ability of both him and all, and all the E Street Band guys as well, you know? Absolutely. Um, I wanted to go to... Um I, I think I've shared the story to either might have been both of you, but just as a reminder, uh, Danny O'Flaherty is a um, originally from Ireland. He's um, moved to America for a while. He had an Irish pub in the French Quarter in New Orleans, and because of Katrina, he ended up having to let it go. He is back touring um, around uh, Louisiana and South Texas. Wonderful. Um, singer and and tell some great stories um al said that his his family was amused at my story about danny talking about how <laughs> danny boy was like you know oh you only do it for the shilling and so his passion but when um when i saw him i i sent him as a gift wrecking ball and the seeger sessions to my I ears so much a wrecking ball just speaks of Irish influences. I'm going to start with you, Al. Do you agree with that statement? And and just give me a little bit when that album came out, how you felt about it, and then we'll let Tom talk as well. Well, the thing is, we're Danny Boy here, and I noticed, I noticed what it is. People. Even I remember even Barry McWiggins. You remember Barry McWiggins, Tom the boxer from here, from Tyrone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. His father, his father used to get into the ring and sing "Danny Boy" before Barry boxed. Now, what that was, they did that here because instead of someone getting into the ring and playing the soldier song or playing "God Save the Queen," they he. They would sing Danny Boy to try to keep the peace, as in it was a neutral song. And so then, therefore, he did not lose 
the Protestant people backing him or the Catholic people. And we find out a few times. We find out if it's a sport event or whatever, and there, uh, someone that will decide not to play the soldier song or God save the Queen. Now, that's at this this side of the country. But and they will they will maybe opt to play Saint Danny Boy or, or Ireland's Call. You know that type of way. So I'm not too sure why what the big problem is with it, but. It is a, at the end of the day, it is song, it is music. To me, it does not matter who wrote the song, whether it's an Englishman or whatever. Music is music, you know. Absolutely. So that's my, my Good. That. All right. So, boy. yeah, talk to me about when Wrecking Ball came out. Though, were you were you struck by all the Irish's influence in it, or is it just my ear hearing that? No, I, I was I, I did. I was thinking about it and I was going I was thinking to myself, where did Bruce get this from? Who 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 actually obviously he just didn't go to himself, right, I'm gonna introduce some of this Irish music, bring it Tim Whistling. Obviously there has to has to have been someone around him. Obviously he he has picked up on traditional Irish music somewhere or Irish instruments. So I, I, I was intrigued how, how they brought that in, and actually, I'm thinking to myself who actually did bring it in, who 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 introduced him to it, or did he introduce himself to it? Did did he want to bring that into to to Iraq and Ball? Did I mean, who was responsible for actually bringing some of the the music into it? You know that way was it Bruce? Was it someone around him that influenced them into it? That's yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Tom, any thoughts? Um, I, again, a lot of those songs could have been Seeger Session musicians rather than E Street people. We had uh, more and more on the guys doing, uh, you know, Shackled and Drawn and all the other songs on the album. Um, but there's very strong uh, acoustic uh, yep. tin whistle. Um, yes. Uh, Susan Tyrell on the what we would call the fiddles, others call the violin. Yep. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and uh, you got to remember, um, Ireland was particularly hammered, hammered with the depression and the recession. So obviously, um, a lot of the songs on the album were talking about the the bankers and all the rest. And obviously, north and south here, particularly down south, the, the banks had to be rescued and stuff like that. So there was a lot of angst uh, from top professionals to uh, part time labourers were were all hammered. Um, so. Yeah. Jackal and Drawn, Jack of All Trades, all those type of songs. And then obviously Bruce opening up as he did more and more about his own depression, um, talks about this depression. And uh, a lot of us were going through that. Our businesses weren't going so well. Some of them didn't make it. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately committed suicide. They just couldn't hack uh, what was coming down the track. They'd, they'd overspent, they'd um, overproduced, whatever, and it just wasn't going to do it. But at the end of the album, you've got Land of Hope and Dreams and uh, all that type of stuff going on. So there's a bit of a, a, a lift in that. And we've been through rocky ground, as I said, with uh, all the songs that, get, that that was there. And we take care of our own. I mean, yeah. that's the hashtag people are using this week. 
with yes. um, coronavirus, um, which I'm happy to use on my social media. Hashtag we take care of our own. You check on your neighbours, you check on your friends, if they're Bruce buddies in one sense at the pit queue or if you're, uh, you know, in neighbourhoods in Belfast or Dublin, you check on the elderly, you check with a yep. number of people that have a heart yeah. complaint. And that's just social being a social a good social citizen and i think that's what bruce has uh, fostered um, globally and people um, again identify with that resonate on it with that and uh, take that from their concerts yeah i know like one of the things that a, a friend of all of ours donna from bruce funds talks about that even though the song we take care of our own is done ironically that we don't but the message of us taking care of our own is something that we uh, as bruce fans and i think other people too have embraced and especially i have loved seeing the the outpouring of love and affection that people while we're dealing with this outbreak and and trying to make sure that um we everyone gets through this as best as we can um i agree with that so it's really beautiful it I think Wrecking Ball is a modern day, it is a modern classic. I think in its own way, and this may be heresy for some, but I think it holds its own against um, Born to Run and Born in the USA and The Rising It, it uh, and, and, and Darkness even. Because of the time and the place he is, I think there's it is something to be proud of, and he should be very proud of what he's done. Well, I think uh, it's a different time. My my eldest son is uh, 28, and he says, did that guy ever get out of New Jersey? Because obviously when I play the early stuff, he just wants to get out of New Jersey. But <laughs> Wrecking Ball is just has got a 17 studio album. So it talks about hypocrisy, greed, and obviously my son didn't realize about the recessions and the depressions and stuff. But, I mean, the songs that go back to the American Civil War, there's gospel stuff, there's the chain gang stuff, um, there's a, a number of different things. And uh, the American dream was... The Irish dream was the global dream, you know, but, but people obviously certainly here in Ireland went crazy. They couldn't have one holiday home. They had to have a holiday home in Ireland. They had to have a holiday home abroad. They yeah. were just caught up. But the value of property can never go wrong. And then um, obviously things happened on Wall Street yeah. and just reverberated around the world. So we could easily identify with the um, the, 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 the uh, find the bastards and shoot them on sight with Jack yeah. of all plays. Yeah, Absolutely. You want to be queuing up here too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I um, I think often when I'm, and we won't get too political here, but when I see the U.S. current administration and I see some of the Brexit things happening there in the U.K., um, I think of American land. And I think of some of the lyrics that Bruce has shared and he talked about and um, because – it, it there is so much um, it, there there is so much where I, I get upset because when you know and Bruce talks about it right he's you know they died building the railroads they worked to bones and skin they died in the fields and factories named names scattered in the wind they yeah. died to get here a hundred years ago they're still dying now the hands that built the country were always trying to keep down and. Yeah. And I, I, you guys are naturally and, and obviously proud of your country, and you should be. And as an American, I'm proud that 
we were a melting pot. We were and we continue to be this quilt of all these different people from different parts of the world and culture coming here that makes us special to makes us you know what at one point a a leader of the world and and when i get when i see this people no longer wanting to be that kind of nation it makes me sad and it makes me angry and i go back to i think bruce really speaks about that in in his music and especially in american land guys i totally agree obviously um uh, I think most people that would uh, be at Bruce Conference would not uh, anticipate to see uh, the incumbent of the White House or Downing Street at a concert at the moment. They would not share the same social values at all. Um, and I think that would be um, accepted by almost everybody that uh, uh, w- would walk into Crow Park or, um, you know, be- the Belfast City Hall or whatever. You know, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, the, the social values uh, just aren't there at the moment, unfortunately. Um, and it's something that uh, we, we hope that things may change in the, in, the, in the United States maybe later in the year. Um, and, and this is uh, from a country that produced one one president, not because he was Catholic, but Kennedy was, you know, when you look at a lot of Irish people saying, gosh, we had an Irish immigrant who went to the States. Uh, his grandfather yeah. was on a ship, went all the way up to the White House uh, and was assassinated, but not because he was an Irish American Catholic, because but because he was from the fact the ancestors were from Wexford. A lot of people thought, God, the Irish, the, the presidency is just I mean, and America is just so good to us. My grandparents were married in Villanova. Um, America has been very good to uh, our family and, and, and millions of other families by providing the opportunity for people from other countries. The incumbents in certain uh, administrations now, their ancestors came from abroad. So where do you draw the line? Where do you, draw, where do you uh, stop the airports and start building walls? Because uh, who else would be left at that stage? Only the Native Americans. We were all uh, brought uh, disease to get got rid of for mining rights and everything else. So uh, a lot of people feel very passionately about it, particularly in America. But certainly um, the Irish Americans would identify with uh, uh, the social values that is um, uh, being beamed loud from um, E Street Nation on, on at, at every concert and on every album. Absolutely. Al? Yeah, yeah. As Tom said, when when you look at Ireland, Ireland, Ireland always had to regenerate itself, no matter what blow it took, blow after blow. When you look at well, the people that left this island from the the the, the, the what people call the famine, I call it genocide. The the amount of people that left this land to go and find a better life, to go to survive, it was. I'm sure most. That when some of them actually reached New York on those ships, they were actually down on the ships. Um, but I think that's how our blood is is cast around the world because our, our country we took so many blows that they, uh, as actual citizens, had to leave this country and scatter themselves around the world and around the globe. And I think that's how we have so many people that that not only claim they do have Irish blood and they do have that Irish ancestry. And that's why we are scattered around the globe. And they have this Irishness, and they find it every year. They, they, it comes to them every year. And it's the first, the first thing I notice when, when an American comes here. They, they feel like they've stepped off the plane. And they always say to me, 
it feels like I've stepped back home. For some reason, they always get that feeling. Yeah. You know, I don't know why it's the ghost of their ancestry in their ears, but they they, they, they always say this here. They're it's as if they, I'm home. And the Irish people always welcome people no matter what. And they're always... And when, when I went to New Jersey, I, I was driving along. And Tom can verify this. When, you, when you're driving along here in Ireland, people wave to each other. You put your hand up. Guy across from you, he's driving by with waves back at you. You're driving down a country road. We all have one of those Thomas in this, right? There's one old man standing at the gateway. And he's waving at everybody you're driving by. <laughs> but I noticed this here in America. They do not... They do not say hello to each other. They do not. As I was walking along, and I would say hello. How's it, how's it going? And they, they look as if they're looking at you. You know what's wrong with this guy? I mean, if I was walking by people in Belfast or Dublin or anywhere, I would go, "How's it going with you? Things? How's it cutting? Or how's it going?" Um, but I noticed the American people don't do this here. They've lost their sense of humanity a wee bit. But I, when you when they come to Ireland, they're amazed that that we still have that human part of us that we say hello to each other and we stand side by side no matter what and as we say as as the song song goes we, we stand shoulder to shoulder Tom isn't that right mm-hmm. we no matter what happens and it's a case of in the world that that's going on it's even that there's a song there that Bruce had on there uh, we shall overcome he had on, he had he had done, and that song struck me but we bit home to me because it was. Uh, they used to sing it at the civil. They sung that isn't that right, Tom? At the civil rights marches in Derry. Um, the guy even even then John Hume who was at the front of that civil rights march. He ended up getting the Nobel Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. Um, he he, I mean that song was sung by the civil rights people then. We shall overcome and and I was surprised that, to hear Bruce singing it. And I thought he thought I thought he'd done that well too. So that was another song I thought was part of a part of a, part of Irish history too. Absolutely. Um, go ahead. Same, just to, almost at the same time that the human rights marches were in Derry, they were been reflected obviously or emanated from Martin Luther King in the states. So yeah. it, that's the same timeline. Pretty much, give it a six months or a year in between. But that's what it was happening in, in the north of Ireland, uh, uh, and, and mar- married what was going on with the African Americans and one man, one vote, um, where one community would have one person, one vote, and the other community would have one house, one vote, um, and and that's that's been the case only until like forty, fifty years ago, which is incredible in both cases. But that's that's the state we're at. But as Al said, we still say hello as part of our psyche even now walking up and as i say walking the dog five times around the university yesterday everybody's saying hello but from a distance um, yeah. it's, um, it's it's just part of who we are um and the other thing obviously just i just remembered was uh on the working of on a dream tour uh in 2009 uh Niels went on stage at the beginning of the gigs doing um fields of athen rye which again is an Irish uh, expatriate song, which um, pr- uh, is uh, synonymous with uh, particularly rugby and, and, and soccer yeah. matches in Irish abroad. And uh, uh, everybody was singing that. Uh, and obviously, Niels has his own Irish angel, uh, which, which he 
plays on his own gigs, but the Fields of Athen Rye in 2009, I think it was on the 11th and 12th of July, which is uh, uh, where the northern um, people in the north do their parades. Uh, so the 12th of July, the 11th and 12th of July, we had a lot of northerners down singing yeah. uh, Fields of Athen Rye, and it, the, the uh, RDS on those two nights was hopping. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, guys, this has been great. Um, Al, any final thoughts? My final thoughts are I just want, I just, at this present time with this virus going on, I'm just thinking about all the people. I'm thinking about their safety. I'm thinking about make sure they keep their circle small and look after that circle, protect it well, and, and the next generation as well. It's, and I just want to see people safe, and I and I pray to God that this passes for people. I'm sorry to see that 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 2020 St Patrick's Day is a no go, but we we understand fully the consequences of all this here. If it had a went to here. Okay, uh, Tom. Just to endorse what Al said, um, we, we can't celebrate outdoors and externally, but we think of our Irish-American community globally and particularly in the States, uh, my own family there, and uh, they'll all be lifting at last, maybe at a different time, in a, in a different time zone to ourselves, but uh, everybody will be Irish on St. Patrick's Day as normal, but this time, this year, we'll be indoors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I... I just appreciate you both so much. Um, this is everything I wanted it to be. This will be a great, I think, St. Patrick's Day gift to, uh, I know it was to me, and it will be for our listeners. Thank you both so much. Um, if someone wants to reach you on social media, how can they? Well, I myself, I myself am on Facebook as Aldoid, and my email is aldoid1 at yahoo.com. And my, my, my Twitter account is all door 14. So right. if anyone wishes to. Tom? Uh, I'm on Facebook with uh, Profile Pick with Steve Van Zandt back in the, from the earlier days. Uh, I'm on Instagram, TommyMaxC321. And that's my Twitter handle, at TommyMaxC321, uh, which was the pit call queue for uh, Crow Park, because in our group we're looking after the pit queue for Crow Park in 2016. So that would be in, on, a, on a lot of Bruce fans' um, uh, dial-up, because as I, as I think I told you the last time, we, we, we made sure people enjoyed Dublin as well as the, the Bruce concerts by having some time off. And just a, just a quick note that I think the Dropkick Murphys are streaming live from Boston yeah. uh, on Patrick's Day, because obviously of the, the their show uh, can't uh, be performed live. Yes, for free stream from Boston. Uh, I think it's 7 p.m. Eastern um, on uh, St. Patrick's Day. So, Panatina Fela Porik, Jesse, to you and yours. Look forward to seeing you in Dublin on the next tour, just whenever it is. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> I, I look forward to hugging both of you, and uh, and you are both my Springsteen brothers, and I appreciate it. Um, I can be found. At Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter. The show can be found at Set Lessing Bruce. Um, if you want to join me, send me an email, setlessingbruce at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. You can go to setlessingbruce.com and from there you can um, find our Patreon page and you can find our uh, store and just reach out to us and let us know how we're doing. Um, Al, Tom, I. I appreciate you guys taking a Sunday afternoon and spending it talking to me. This was absolutely lovely. I appreciate you both so much. 
Um, I hope you guys stay safe. I hope all your family and friends stay safe. Um, I, I agree. We need to take care of our own. Um, I love you both. And yeah. um, listeners, we love you. And you guys stay safe. And we will see you further up down the road. Thank you. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. All right, that's it, guys. That was perfect. I oh, hope I hope you guys had fun. We did. <laughs> good. The, t- the yeah. T-shirt arrived on Friday, uh, which is good. So I have uh, uh, the Mary's, uh, you know, getting in the car. <laughs> Yay! Sounds great. <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day, okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There is that Kindle edition of that book. Uh, that's in, in the picture with Gary and Olivia, um, Land of Hope and Dreams, celebrating 25 years of Bruce Springsteen in Ireland. Uh, that's yeah. that's on Kindle as well, if you wanted to just refer to that as, as an intro, you know? You know what? I I meant to ask about that. Um, I think that is a great that is a great reminder. So we, we'll, I'll be sure and add that into this. Good on you. All right. I, was, I was just thinking there, Tom was just saying about... Bruce was singing about, he wanted to, to pull out of New Jersey, and then again, you know, he was singing about all those years about getting out of New Jersey. And I was saying to you on my last podcast there, Jesse, that I was going to Osbury Park again in May, and now, now, now I can't even get in. Now, now, now yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but maybe if they redo it in the fall, maybe I'll be able to work it out so I can go and see yeah, you yeah. guys. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See you later. Absolutely. See you later, guys. Bye bye. Well, shit to you both. And you, you both enjoy some public stay at home. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Don't worry, Jesse. Bye bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.